Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the ISI Life podcast. I am super grateful to have today's guest, Tony Sepiel, on the show. He is currently the CEO of Step 2 Discovery with an amazing variety of experiences before then. Also, extremely instrumental in CBMC, uh, the organization locally that's made an impact on you know my life personally, as well as many, many others. So today we, we talk with Tony about uh, how we can incorporate our faith into our faculty and into our work. And what does that look like in a practical sense? And I just want to say, uh, buckle up. There's some controversial topics that may be countercultural to what how you how you approach your work and how you think about it. And I think this perspective is exactly uh, what we need. It's exactly the what fits in with the ISI wheel. At ISI, as you know, we talk about the five F's, which are faith, faculty, finance, and fitness. And really the, the challenge is to not have your faith just be a spoke of your wheel, but really how do you put it at the center? And that's really what Tony hones in on today. So I hope you all enjoyed the episode. And just so you know, at the end, we will do a quick recap of the key points, the key lessons that, that I took away that I feel like are the, uh, the meat of the conversation. So hope you enjoyed the entire conversation and um, make sure you check out the end. And if you have any thoughts or, or ways that you think we can make this better to serve you better, please let us know. And uh, without further ado, enjoy the episode with Tony. Tony, thank you so much for uh, carving some time out of your day to be with me and, and spend some time on the ISI Life podcast. Um, I'm really excited for our conversation today, so thank you. Uh, Nick, it's a pleasure to be here. I've admired the work that ISI has been doing the last few years and just think it's a great organization and I feel privileged to, to be able to talk with you today. Yeah, likewise. I'm excited to dive in. It's, you know, our last guest was Fred Corey, and he mentioned you. And I think today will be a great place to kind of pick up on pieces of that conversation and learn, um, you know, how you've incorporated your faith into your into your work and in other areas of your your life as well. So as we get into that, you know, before before we dive into some of the conversation and questions, um, would you give us a little background on you and your family and career uh, progression up until this current point? Sure. So uh, I grew up on the west side of uh, Cleveland in Middleburg Heights, uh, wonderful, loving parents, uh, six uh, siblings. I was in the middle. I actually have a brother that's 10 years older than me and a brother that's 10 years younger than me. So a, a wide span of time, but uh, a, a really a wonderful family life. Um, great parents who uh, really taught me from a young age uh, about respect, hard work, um, you know, integrity and uh, a love for God. And I think that uh, I've been blessed, I was blessed to have such wonderful parents and a wonderful family that uh, really set me up for success in life. Uh, with regard to my career, uh, I actually uh, began my career uh, when I was 15 years old as Tony the Painter. And uh, <laughs> I uh, started painting houses and Oh, probably when I was 17 or so, I think I had eight guys on my crew and we were painting a, a house every two or three days. Uh, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a great way to learn about uh, uh, creativity and problem solving and, and being curious. Uh, went to sc school at Baldwin Wallace College, graduated with a degree in accounting and finance and uh, went to work for Arthur Young, uh, which is now part of ENY the public accounting firm. I'm a CPA by original training. Hmm. Uh, there it was, a, it was a great time. I learned how to use influence. 
uh, to sell ideas. And uh, I found out that uh, change was my friend. And uh, it put all the old guard on a late level playing field as tax law changes and gap changes. And, and I was able to uh, excel and, and really uh, enjoy that environment uh, so much that I uh, uh, was uh, senioring jobs at a young age. And one of those uh, jobs was a, a company called Griswold Inc., which was the fifth largest or fifth oldest advertising agency in the country and one of the larger ones in Cleveland. And I developed a relationship with the CEO who hired me at the young age of 26 to be the CFO. And I went on to become uh, EVP and co-led that agency in a number of years. Uh, While there, I learned a lot about building relationships and collaboration. I found uh, also deep satisfaction outside of work um, and made friendships um, with guys who were in CBMC and have been really uh, fortunate to be part of that uh, for the last uh, 35 years or, or plus. Uh-huh. Uh, from there, I went on to join Realty One. Initially started off for a short stint as the CFO, then the COO, and then became the president and CEO. Uh, while I was at Realty One, I learned a lot about myself and what I needed to improve and how to be a better leader. And I was exposed to the concepts of servant leadership and got a lot of practice in, in doing them. And, um, a lot of responsibility very quickly at a young age. And uh, I found that uh, uh, God was my, my partner as I walked through all of those years. Uh, from there, I went on to join the flood company as the president and chief operating officer Uh, There I learned about building teams with a much smaller budget. And most importantly, I I think I really refined my servant leadership abilities. From there, went on to Vitamix, uh, held various positions there. Uh, We were fortunate to experience tremendous success and continue to refine my servant leadership skills and uh, how to to, uh, create a great work environment and develop people. And then most recently, the last uh, almost three years now, I've been the CEO of uh, Step 2 Discovery, which is a a group of of three companies that uh, are put together. uh, That's really an e-commerce company that focuses around uh, outdoor living and play. Wow. Quite the the, uh, range of experiences, you know. Oh, my. Uh, Thank you for, you know, walking through all of that to the current state. Um, it was a very, a very eclectic, um, you know, career. If you think about it, most of the times when I made a change, it was the result of uh, uh, selling the company and uh, then having to reinvent myself uh, because I had a extensive uh, non-compete. Mm-hmm. So necessity is the mother of invention. But what I have found is that uh, each career move um, has been a new opportunity to um, explore curiosity, learn and grow from others. Uh, but maybe most importantly, each one I viewed as a platform for ministry. And I know that as we go on here today, we'll talk more about that. But uh, that's, I think, one of the things that I'm most grateful for is throughout all that eclectic experience and in, in business, I developed many relationships with people in all those companies and uh, it really proved to be a fantastic platform for ministry. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And you mentioned CBMC and I just want to thank you because I know you've been instrumental in helping, you know, make CBMC and keep CBMC what it is and thrive over the years. That's really post-college, one of the first exposures I had um, when we still did the leadership or the uh, leadership prayer breakfast downtown mm-hmm. at the, I believe the, I want to say the Renaissance or around that area. But there was one mm-hmm. of the speakers who was a, a fighter pilot and got shot Colonel, down. Colonel and, Nimrod McNear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was a year, maybe a year or so out of school and running our own our company. And I just remember hearing his talk and seeing, you know, room full of all these amazing, you know, leaders. And I thought, how did I get here? You know, so um, thank you for the leadership to to pull that together, and that that really kickstarted my my personal relationship with, um, you know, my Paul, with which was Sean Moorhead, and has impacted you know Joe and a bunch of other people too. But um, you know, I just wanted to just take a moment and pause and thank you for the leadership that you've demonstrated to bring CBMC together and keep it together over the years. Well, very nice of you to say that uh, when you mentioned. Colonel Nimrod McNear, I always think of one of the, the great lines in uh, his talk that day that you were there, maybe you'll remember it, where he said that uh, he flew over 200 uh, fighter pilot bombing missions. And he said he always knew when he was getting closer, close to the target, because he would start getting flack or people would start shooting at him. Mm. And that, that message has always spoken to me in, in ministry that we always know when we're getting close to the target of who God wants us to reach or doing the work that he wants us to do when we start getting flack. Hmm. Uh, a great uh, a great man, Colonel Nimrod McNear. The other thing I think about when I think about the Leadership Prayer Breakfast is uh, a discussion I had with uh, uh, Senator George Voinovich. Uh, he was the person that we started the prayer breakfast with. Uh, well over 30 years ago. And um, over the years, I had numerous interactions with him. And in the later part of his life, maybe even a couple years before he passed, I was um, with him. And uh, uh, for what was the second time he said to me, he said it early on in the process, but in the second time I I was talking to him about the prayer breakfast, he said to me, "Uh, Tony, the leadership prayer breakfast was probably one of the most significant things I did the whole time I was in Cleveland as mayor. Wow. And, <laughs> um, and you know, I, it really hit me. And it, when I hear that, that you know, you and, and others, Fred Curry, et cetera, were impacted by that leadership prayer breakfast, it, it really um, is it's great to hear because uh, having spent over 30 years working on it and laboring, uh, I now join uh, George Voinovich in saying, uh, as I look back on my career and my life, uh, probably one of the most significant things I've done is uh, uh, that Cleveland Le- Leadership Prayer Breakfast uh, Steering Committee and, uh, and, and, and work with such a talented group of uh, volunteers that make that happen every year. So thanks for bringing that up. In fact, it's a good example of what we're going to talk about in a moment about Platform for Ministry. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, just know that, that, you know, that leadership is the ripple effect from, you know, I'm just one, one person from, you know, the tens of thousands that have attended that over the years and just the impact that's made, um, is, you know, it's unknown, but it's far reaching for sure. And it is a great, great segue. Cause you know, 
part of what we wanted to talk about was, I mean, we, honestly, we, you and I could talk about at ISI, we talked about the five, five Fs and, you know, faith, uh, family, faculty, finance, and fitness. And really the challenge here is instead of compartmentalizing our faith into, you know, being a spoke of our wheel, how do we put it at the hub? How do we put it at the center? And what does that mean to use our faith within our work? And, you know, within our families and those other five Fs, but, you know, today we're going to hone in on, on faculty and our work and, you know, what it means to do that and how do you do it and examples and stories so that, you know, that we can all improve in that area. And so, you know, at your, um, I just want to thank you too. When we kicked off ISI, you were, the, you know, the very first one and helped us launch it, helped us get it going and you know, gain that momentum that we are carrying forward today. And your presentation was, um, provocative in the sense that uh it was some challenging concepts that i still look at and i think i need to like we need to re-talk about this because um they're important and you know you talked about um you know why do we work why do we play and you covered some key points so i'm just going to turn it over to you and uh and talk about maybe some of the principles around you know why we work um and maybe tee up this first one but the first one we don't work to earn a living um just uh, take us away on that one. What does what does that mean, and and why did why, why did you start there? Well, uh, I, I'm thrilled that, that that this is the the subject that uh, you wanted to talk about because I, I've talked a lot about this with many men over the years, uh, and some women. My daughter is an example. Daughter-in-laws. Uh, this is a it's a great topic, and it is controversial. You know. Um, and what I want to challenge everyone as we get started here on this is um, in First Chronicles 12, it says that we should be like the men of Issachar who understood their times and knew what they should do. And uh, uh, these are the times we're living in. We're getting all different messages about work. Um, and uh, I want to encourage people to think hard on this and don't take my word for it, but be um, like the men of Issachar, like the Bereans. Um, in Acts 17, it says, Now the Bereans were more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And so I, as we go into this uh, and we cover some of these controversial topics, I would challenge each listener here to search the scriptures and see if what Paul said, what I'm saying now is true. Hmm. Um, when I first heard these, I have to tell you, I pushed back a little bit and just said, you know, these principles aren't, they, they can't be real. Um, certainly they went, they cut across the grain of even some of the way I was brought up and uh, this notion that we can pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps and, and that we can uh, work our way out of anything. Uh, those are, are, I mean, we definitely are exhorted to work hard, but, but those aren't necessarily truth. Hmm. Um, in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Um, this world would train all of us um, to be conformed to it. And that means whatever its conventional thinking is. And I am reminded over and over again that God's ways, God's economy is not our economy. They're not our ways. They're, they're, they're different. 
he turns everything upside down. And so we need to be on our guard. I have to tell you that uh, I've studied these principles over and over, and I find that it's so easy to slip back into old thinking mm-hmm. because this world over and over again um, trains us to think contrary to the Bible. Yeah. So as we get into this, I would say that um, John 6.27 is a great verse that will kick us into this first principle, and that is do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, on him God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Our labor, our work, should be things that endure for eternity. So let's get into it. This first principle that you talked about was uh, uh, we don't work to earn a living. And there are actually two fundamental reasons for going to work. Um, first is God commands it. And second, it's an environment in which the believer can represent Jesus in Christ. Or as was taught to me uh, by a, a guy named Don Hull, who I'm sure you've heard of in this marketplace, uh, it's really about having a platform for ministry that God has uh, given each of us uh, and created each of us um, for Good works. In fact, in Ephesians 2 7, it says, We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Hmm. Hey, so, Tony, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I just made me think of uh, something. You know, when when you were going down your, you know, your various places that you worked, you know, with um, Arthur Young to Griswold and, and so on and so forth, and talking about, you know, the, those two reasons, uh, you know, God, God commanded it and it's an environment to share your faith. Um, do you feel like when, as you made the transition through those various companies, that that was part of your own personal, um, you know, motivation or reasoning behind where you felt God was leading you in those different companies? Oh, for sure. Without a doubt, I could see God's hand at work in bringing me each place that I went to work and then also ushering me into leaving and then Mm -hmm. entering me into a new place. Really, uh, I uh, prayed through each one of those. I have a, a whole methodology that I use. We can talk about some time in terms of making work transition and, and how you do that. But um, I, I can just look back and, and see God's hand at work at each step in the path. I always tell my kids that God can see around corners that we can't see. <laughs> and that often, especially in work, um, something happens and something changes, you know, your boss is terminated and you think that it's the end of the world. And what you don't realize is God is just preparing for you to get promoted. Uh, So it happened to me many times in public accounting. Uh, I can go on in in watching God's hand at work in each of those careers uh, in terms of what he was teaching me, the opportunities he was giving me in my platform to witness for him and, uh, you know, how much I learned. And I think uh, one of the greatest privileges is uh, uh, seeing God's hand at work in, in mm. your life, in, in the lives of others around you, I think is, is one of the greatest privileges we have. And if you focus on your work as a platform for ministry, then you'll be able to see those things and be used and see others changed if you focus on your work as being a way to earn a living, 
you'll miss all that. You'll compartmentalize um, your life and Christianity will happen away from work. It'll happen on Sunday at church, or it may even happen in ministry that you're in, but it won't happen at work. And, and God, you know, really called us to be a light and a witness for those around us. And when you think about it, most of our waking hours are spent in uh, our neighbor are spent at work and our neighbor is the person who sits in the cubicle next to us or the office next to us or down the hall. Hmm. And that's really who we're sent to be a light to. Hmm. All right. So much there. The I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, no, that's great. And I just, I think it, you know, those are real examples of how you made those transition. I mean, that's, that's the, the proof. And, you know, in hindsight, it's always 2020, you can kind of see looking back how, you know, where, how God was in motion, but when you're in it, you can't see around that corner. And, um, so yeah, that's a, it's an amazing, uh, principle. Thanks for sharing. So yeah, let's, uh, just so, keep so, going. Yeah. So with this first one, I think it's key and it's fundamental to really a lot of what we're going to talk about on the other principles and the, the foundational verse. I'm, I'm a bird watcher. I love uh, watching birds and, and uh, searching out uh, different types of birds. And I've always been, uh, just uh, in awe of this verse um, from Matthew 16, 25 through 34, where the Lord says, uh, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Hmm. And I think this is really key to recognize that everything we have is really a gift from God. Uh, most of our life has been um, uh, impacted by things that we don't even control. You know, the century you were born in, the geographic, the geography you were born in, the parents that you were given, uh, you know, all of these things, uh, the, the, you know, what sex you are, what intelligence you have, all of those are a gift from God. And uh, he, he knew before the creation <clears throat> what he was going to give you and where he was going to place you. And we, we tend to take all that for granted. And, and somehow think we're in control. But here we're reminded in this verse that not even a sparrow falls from the tree without God knowing about it. And uh, if, you, if you start to develop this as a perspective that it's really God who provides, all right, and we just obey. We obey his command to work, and we obey his command to be a witness in this platform he's given us. And then it's him that provides in Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The Bible is clear that it is God that provides for our needs. So that's principle one. And uh, it's one that people, um, they, they listen to, but they don't really accept it. And uh, uh, the Bible is clear uh, that um, we do not go to heaven based on our work that we do for Christ uh, because it's all about what he did on the cross. 
And in fact, all of our provisions in our life really come from him. And so when you start to realize that, you start to say, well, if God's providing, then then uh, I guess I don't have to worry about these things. And, and I can be the person that God wants me to be. Hmm. So powerful. Thank you for sharing those you know, various verses and perspectives. It's... Um... It's a, it is a paradigm shift, you know, depending on, on how you look at it and, you know, your, the perspective that you have. And, it, you know, it leads into the, the second, uh, you know, so these are kind of broken up into two sections. These first couple of principles are all about, you know, why do we work? And then you'll get to why do we play and why is play important? And um, just principle number two, this is a tough one. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. there, there's no cause and effect relationship between how hard you work and how much you make, which work harder, make more money is, is definitely the cultural view, the modern view. So break it down for us. Well, this is one of the ones that I have to uh, <laughs> keep going back to over the years because I was trained that, uh, uh, you know, if you, uh, you, you, you got to work hard and, and make a living and you yeah. work to earn a living. Yeah. And so it was a real paradigm shift for me to say, no, uh, God provides all that I need. Mm-hmm. And uh, I work um, to, uh, to have a platform for ministry and because God commanded me. But this next one here uh, makes it even more difficult uh, because uh, I practiced a lot of these principles for years and I, and I saw them work. But now that I've been uh, in leadership and uh, have been around much longer, I've actually seen over and over again that um, how hard somebody works does not necessarily mean uh, that they're going to be successful. Hmm. And uh, <clears throat> there's not a cause and effect relationship. Build upon a little bit with the scripture here. Deuteronomy 28, 38 through 42 says, um, you will sow uh, much seed in the field, but you will harvest little because the locusts will devour it. The people who actually understand this the best are some of the hardest working people in the world, farmers. Farmers. I mean, they work from morning till night, get up early before they even have breakfast, go and feed animals and they plant those seeds. But in the end, they know that if it doesn't rain, they don't get crops. And uh, I think we only need to look at uh, right now what's going on with this COVID-19 and ask yourself, don't you think there's a whole lot of people that have been working really hard, in fact, harder than a lot of others whose businesses have just been tumultuously hit, whose uh, livelihoods and savings have been wiped out as a result of uh, having to close down their business? Right. And do you think they didn't work hard? Of course they worked hard. Uh, many of them worked much harder than I work. All right. So why would I think that somehow because I worked hard, I got this and they worked hard and they didn't, that, that there was a relationship. Hmm. Uh, and, and we had never experienced a pandemic before, but I think the pandemic um, teaches us a tremendous lesson that it's really that God who provides and that there is this, there is no cause and effect. Uh, I can tell you, I've seen salesmen and companies that I've run who've worked way harder than other salespeople who got big sales and big commissions. 
So how do you explain that? I mean, over and yeah. over again, we can see countless examples. Now, that's not to say that we're not supposed to work hard. Um, and uh, I'm a big believer in it. In fact, in, in Colossians, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So God commands us to work hard, um, but he but he he, uh, he he commands us to work hard, not to store up for ourselves treasures on earth, but to store up ourselves for treasures on heaven, in heaven. Mm -hmm. It's and it's almost like we feel like maybe uh, taking a stab at this that it's that it's what we deserve mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. what God will provide to us and just having faith and trust that that, that is what it is and mm -hmm. letting go of your, your ego in a way. Mm -hmm. hmm. Love it. I love it. Um, so good. And, um, you know, it kind of leads into, um, you know, the next one, which <laughs> this one, uh, it's tough. All these are tough. These are because these are pretty countercultural to what you know the modern view of it. Of all these ones, you don't so far. You don't work to earn a living. There's no cause and effect relationship between how hard you work and how much you make. And then number three here, there's no intrinsic value in the product of your work. That just it almost doesn't feel good. <laughs> it's like, it's like ah, great. Well, you know, this one um, actually was offensive to me when I first heard it. Um, especially when you think about things like the leadership prayer breakfast and you say there's, there's really no intrinsic value in the product of my work. Um, and uh, who would do that if I didn't do it? So this is now getting into some really interesting areas, but I, I view it as it's actually liberating hmm. um, that, um, you know, Paul said um, in Philippians three, eight through 10, he said, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we want to attribute our work as, uh, as being significant. Um, but, the, but the fact of the matter is, is that the only value is what is going to last for eternity. Mm -hmm. and, and the Bible says that the heavens and the earth will pass away. And, and that heavens there is actually just talking about the, um, the sky above us. So it's all going to pass away. Um, when I think back, back on the, the companies I've run, the work I did, the, the work is actually pretty meaningless. And what really lasts forever are the souls, the lives that I had an opportunity to touch, the, uh, the, the people that I had an opportunity to impact for Christ. And uh, uh, that's what will last. And so we have to consider that uh, what God is consider, concerned with is not the product of our work, but what we do along the way. Mm. And, and that's why, you know, Paul considered, I consider them rubbish. Yeah. Um, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ. Um, you know, one of the, the modern day, I guess, analogies that I use around this principle 
is uh, in the Lord of the Rings, um, in the Minds of Moray, Gandalf and Frodo are having this conversation. And uh, uh, Frodo, um, you know, he's, he's just so torn by what this ring and, and everything that's happened to him as a result of it has caused. And uh, he, uh, he says to uh, Gandalf, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened. And, and Gandalf responds, so do all who live to face such times, but that is not for them to decide. <laughs> all we have to do, or all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. And so that's what, that's really the perspective here is that in the end, our work really doesn't have a lot of intrinsic value. It says that it's all going to, going to burn eventually. And the only thing that matters is relationships and uh, our, our, our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and how we uh, impact people for the Lord, um, souls for eternity. It, it, you know, it is liberating when you say it like that, because, I mean, looking back, you know, think back over the last you know, 200 years, you know, just people who, you know, your world just seems so important. And when you really zoom out, like even if you fly in an airplane, you realize how, how little your world, you know, how big the world is and how little, what seems so important really is not mm -hmm. that important. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, what you do, you know, for us, how many t-shirts we make or, um, you know, whatever, whatever your thing you do is it, it doesn't really doesn't really matter. It's more about, you know, what you do with, coming back to your first point, you know, what you do with the platform that you have, um, the environment that you, where you have influence. You met you that right off the rip. It was one of your first things as you learned about influence. Um, and uh, no, that's, it's an important, important thing. It's an important thing to take note of what are the opportunities that you have around you the, for the people aspect? What are the souls that you have along the way where you can make an impact and do something that does last? beyond the 100, 200 years. It was something that will last for eternity. Um, it is liberating and it's encouraging mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. All right. So we'll maybe bring it home here on these uh, why work ones, um, okay. uh, which really tied to, the, to what we talked about a little bit, but um, you know, points four and five, four and five here. Significance is not found in the kind of work you do, which is pretty much what we're talking about. And then the last one, um, you can contribute nothing. And this is one I want your uh, take on and is it's important ones, but it says you can contribute nothing to the work of God. Sure. Sure. So I'll, I'll quickly cover principle four. Uh, significance is not found in the kind of work you do. Uh, I shared a little bit about how much of our life is impacted by things we don't even control in first Corinthians four, seven, it says, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? It's all a gift. Mm. And in God's economy, the only thing that really matters is how do we use the gifts that he's given us? Um, the work that we do, a heart surgeon saving lives will save a life and extend a life maybe for 20 or 30 years. But, but uh, Nick, you share the gospel with someone and they come to know the Lord and you will have saved that person for eternity. Hmm. 
significance is really not found in the kind of work you do, but in what you do while you're at that work. Um, in principle five, you can contribute nothing to the work. And this kind of fits in with the no intrinsic value. Of course, the great story here that illustrates this was when, uh, when Queen Esther um, went before the uh, king to plead for the life of uh, the nation of Israel. And uh, uh, her uncle shares with her in Esther 4.14 as she deliberates whether or not she wants to take the risk of, uh, of going before the king and risking her life. And he says to her, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have been come to a royal position for such a time as this. But notice what he says here. Everyone always quotes the, for a time such as this. But to me, the significance about this verse is, if you don't, deliverance, God will raise deliverance from somewhere else. If I didn't do the leadership prayer breakfast, he didn't need me. He would have somebody else do it. It's my privilege to participate in that. It's mm -hmm. my honor. It's, it's, it's my blessing. God doesn't need me. I can contribute nothing to his work. Only what, what, what he does matters. And so, um, you know, God's work will go on without us. Deliverance will rise from another place. When believers believe, when leaders or believers believe that they can add something to God's work, then they end up using people rather than ministering to them. Um, because what is best for an organization often takes precedence over what's best for the individual. Wow. So I want to just sum up this um, why work, and then we'll get into why play here quickly. Yeah. And, and that is that most men, um, I haven't dealt with a lot of most men don't believe in Matthew 6.24 when it comes right down to it. Yeah. Uh, because uh, they think that you do work to earn a living, and they wear themselves out um, to... Uh, to try to get ahead and live at a standard of living that they don't feel confident that God would provide for them um, on his own. And uh, uh, that's what happens. We see it over and over again, instead of sitting back, not sitting back, but um, trusting God to say, whatever you have for me, God, I'm going to take, and I'm going to work with all my heart as if I'm working for you, uh, but then I'm going to just be grateful for what you give me instead of, you know, just breaking my neck um, to have more. Uh, you know, I've heard it say to buy things I don't need <laughs> with money I don't have to impress people I don't even like. <laughs> um, so uh, why play? Um, I know we've taken a lot of time in the first one, but, uh, uh, you know, play is, uh, there's nothing wrong with play. In fact, play is a great thing, and we can uh, – we can really find the same enjoyment um, and play and leisure um, can be an act of worship. Um, it's a famous story that I think of when I think of this, I think of um, Eric Lydell, the famous uh, Olympic athlete who mm -hmm. we've seen movies about. Um, and uh, he, he, one of the great quotes from that is um, his, him saying, 
I believe God made me for a purpose, but also made me fast. (laughs) And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And so here you have a guy who goes on to be a missionary, die in the mission field. He knew his purpose. I believe God made me for a purpose. He knew the work that God was having to do. But he also said, he also made me fast. You know, it's like a guy who does CrossFit. He's also made me strong, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I do leisure, when I hike, for me, as an example, I, I feel God's pleasure. Uh, leisure can be an act of worship. It can be a wonderful thing. Uh, it, it certainly shouldn't become an idol, right? Leisure, mm-hmm. leisure contributes no more or less to the work of God's economy. In God's economy, work and leisure are the same. They're both a platform for ministry. And uh, that, I think, is a different perspective. People feel guilty sometimes playing. No, you should feel great playing. You should feel great working. And you should look at both of them as a way to enjoy God and to witness for him. Hmm. Um, So then finally, uh, uh, leisure is not related to finances. Um, uh, We can find joy in the simplest things. It doesn't require uh, a lot of money. Um, So uh, here's my, I guess, like I said, the the closing thoughts on this is that uh, if a man doesn't understand these principles, he will wear himself out pursuing things that really don't matter. Uh, And uh, these principles have been uh, a real blessing to me in my life, and I review them constantly so that it keeps me focused on God and a platform for ministry. Uh, And uh, uh, so I guess that's the the, 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 the short summary there. And it's, um, I think it's unbelievably important. I mean, it's what it's all about. It's why we're doing this podcast. It's why we're doing ISI is to, um, you know, participate and, uh, you know, use those as a gift and a privilege to be able to come alongside, do his work, be, you know, the privilege to be in these different roles that we have, um, to interact with the people that we get a chance to interact with, to, to serve on boards, to, to, to do things that, um, you know, are a gift. And it's, you know, it's, trusting it's a uh, trusting versus trying really it's kind of mm. what the first part of this comes down to and um you know how much do you trust how much do you fully trust versus how much are you just trying to keep going you know and if you just keep trying and trying without trusting you're going to wear yourself out so i have a i have a, a, a an idea to build upon that uh comes from a, one of my favorite books um the book is called the life you've always wanted by John Ortberg, and it's a study. It's a study of the spiritual disciplines, but one of the key principles in it is training versus trying. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. You said trying versus trusting, mm-hmm. and the principle he brings up that, that goes right along with trusting is training versus trying. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I, uh, or, or, or I can try as hard as I possibly can. But if I go out and do some athletic endeavor and I haven't trained for it, it's not going to end well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And uh, so uh, this this idea of of training in our in our faith. And this is what I love about what you guys are doing at ISI in training and really showing people how to train in these five key areas of life and being intentional about them. 
yeah, it's, I mean, it's encouraging and it's, um, I appreciate being able to, you know, break stuff like this down because, um, you know, what I've, what I've experienced and, you know, so far is, you know, through the retreats that we put on and the podcast now is, you know, you might listen to certain, uh, someone and the message just doesn't come through and, you know, you hear a message today from you and something that you said, you know, may really hit home with somebody. And it's, it's just interesting how we want to put different, you know, different people, different thoughts, different experiences in front of the ISI audience to just to put that out there because we never really know what's going to take root. Um, you know, when you spoke, for example, um, you know, you gave a great presentation and I was talking to my cousin about, and, uh, he said, Oh, when Tony, you know, when Tony spoke it, it, you know, this point that he made made such a difference. And I was like, I don't even remember him saying that. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's why it's important to, you know, uh, spend this time training, whether it's listening or coming to retreats, because, um, you know, there's different people that are going to resonate with you in different ways. So no, I appreciate, yeah, I, I appreciate I wanna, going through wanna, that and the presentation. Yeah. Sure. I want I want to make sure that I give credit to the, uh, the book that I was referring to on those why work principles. And it's the yeah. book is called, uh, it's from the ministry in the marketplace book series. And the mm -hmm. book is literally called why work. And you can find it at Pike's peak, cbmc.com if you want to order one i highly recommend it uh okay. ordering it um but yeah. i had a chance to hear the authors speak on a number of occasions and and they're really the ones who impacted me in a powerful way that's awesome and we'll uh we'll link to why work as well as the the life you've always wanted in the show notes that was one of the one of the kind of the wrap-up questions i was going to ask you but you kind of beat me to the punch with top two three books um but yeah that's that's great um and this whole, whole cbmc marketplace um books have made a huge difference you know in my life too there's a lot of r really good ones but um well tony i wanted to just kind of you know as we kind of land the plane here i wanted to just a couple questions more about you as and i we ask these to every every guest that's on the, the podcast mm -hmm. and one of the things we talk about outside of whatever they are talking or teaching on that day is just about joy experiencing mm -hmm. joy and i'm curious for you you mentioned hiking but i'm curious outside of that uh what brings you the most joy well i think uh in my life right now uh, my wife, I love to get up in the morning and say good morning to her and, and, <laughs> and be with her. Uh, we're, we're finding enjoyment even in this, this COVID-19 environment. My family, including my uh, three children and, and son-in-law and, and daughter-in-laws, my little grandson. Um, mm. And as I said during the presentation, the uh, opportunities and privileges that God gives me along the way to see his mighty hand at work or to hear his voice um, speak to me through the Bible on the truth and on the love he has for us and for me. Uh, that's where I, I find the greatest joy. That's fantastic. Uh, and in terms of, uh, you mentioned, I mean, a lot of great verses here today. Um, over, you have a verse that is, you would call a life verse or, you know, maybe one that really has meant a lot to you over the years or maybe one right now that, that means a lot to you? Sure, I do. And, and I purposely mention a lot of verses because I, I think in the end, what I have to say really doesn't mean that much, but it's really God's word. In fact, you know, the Bible says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but God's word will last forever. So the most meaningful thing that I could do on this podcast is really just point people to God's word. And that's what I tried to do. Um, for me, my, my life verse is Romans 8, 37 and 30 through 39. Hmm. No in 
all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hmm. That is so good. Man, I love that. And that's that's a good point. Um, I appreciate you touching on that, that it isn't really what we say, but, you know, God's word. And if, if there's one thing that people take away from these talks, uh, focus on the scriptures, you know. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you pointing that out. Um, well, Tony, I know uh, you've been very active in CBMC. You've mentioned that a couple of times. And, um, you know, if people want to, if they want more or they want to connect with you or what you're, what you're doing, what would be the best way to, to connect with you? Well, you can uh, reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn or you can uh, come to one of our CBMC events. Love, yeah. love to have, have everyone come. What is the and next, can, uh, what's the next one on the horizon for CBMC? Well, we actually have our vision event coming up. You can find it at our, our website, cbmcneo.org, uh, I think it is. And uh, um, we've got our vision breakfast coming up. We figured out a way in COVID-19 to uh, have an event outside. We're having it at the uh, the uh, golf uh, facility out at Roxanne Road so people can be outside with a cover and a heater and uh, in small groups social distance, and they can uh, enjoy the uh, uh, the vision that we're going to share some wonderful testimonies. We've got a great speaker uh, that we've got coming in, and, and uh, I appreciate if you can link to that. That'd be great. Absolutely. Will do. Yeah, those have been great um, in the past. Those have always been inspiring, um, you know, breakfast or lunches that we've done over the years. So thank you for putting those on. Well, absolutely. Well, I, th- I appreciate, um, you know, everything you've done and, you know, your leadership uh, with CBMC and outside of CBMC and helping us with ISI get going and, and your time today. And, uh, I hope that, you know, the audience, anybody that's listening has something that they can apply to their life and, you know, change their perspective and, um, learn to trust, trust more and, uh, use whatever platform they have for, um, you know, an eternal purpose versus a temporary one. So thank you for that. And, um, would you be open to closing us in a word of prayer? I'd love to. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the work of ISI. And uh, I pray, Father, that you'd bless that ministry. I pray, Father, that you would uh, draw uh, people who are hearing this podcast to you, uh, that they would uh, uh, seek you with all their heart, and uh, that this uh, would have an impact, a positive impact on their lives. Uh, You're so good to us, Father. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the talk with Tony. Certainly powerful and a perspective shifter for sure. I want to just kind of recap a, a few key points that I took away that I thought were um, kind of hit me hard in our conversation. Uh, we talked about work and really the first point, you do not work to earn a living. So why do you work? It's not about the money. What is it about? It's about the impact you're making along the way, the souls, the relationships, the people, the things that can last for eternity. Wow. Okay. Um, Here's another big one. There's no cause and effect between how hard you work and how much you make. 
And really this to me just comes down to trusting that God will provide, trusting that God will provide, not trusting that God will provide what you deserve, but he will just provide and having full, full trust in that. Uh, third point he touched on that there's no intrinsic value in the product of our work. And meaning it's not so much about what it is we make, the widgets we make, the services we provide, but it's more about the first point of what we do along the way. Um, the people that we get a chance to interact with, the platform that it provides for us is, is the thing, the environments that we're placed in that we have the opportunity to have influence within. Super powerful. And then he talked about uh, why I work, but and how important play is. And I think for a lot of us, this is um, this can maybe feel guilty at play, and um, the fact that God designed us to work, He also designed us to rest and to play and to have fun, and that can be part of what pleases God. And the gifts, the pleasure that you can receive from play and leisure and enjoyment outside of work too, and so you have that balance. Uh, Tony is just an amazing guy, uh, so much wisdom, and really comes down, he said, really it boils down to one thing, and it's Matthew 6, 24, and I'll read it for you. It says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? So God loves us. We are valuable to him. And he's putting us in these positions where we have the opportunity and the privilege to come alongside him and do things that matter for eternity. So hopefully that's the perspective shifter you get today, is that your, that your work is is not just about um, making money, um, making a bunch of money and getting things and what it, what it can provide in the material world, but the, the opportunities for influence, for relationship along the way. And um, hopefully that's helpful. Um, I certainly enjoyed the conversation and every time I talk with Tony or revisit some of his learnings, I just, I feel refreshed and renewed and um, it's good stuff. So well, a couple things too, you may not be aware of our website uh, is the kind of the, the, the hub for all of the things ISI on there. You can find resources into all five Fs, um, scripture verses, uh, free books, downloads, um, our awesome iron sharpens iron assessment to see where are you? Um, are you thriving in, in each of these five Fs or are you um, maybe a one out of five and, and you need some work? There's all kinds of tools there that can help you. Also, obviously, the podcast, we have multiple episodes. You know, Today, Tony talked about um, Don Hall. Don Hall, if you go back to, he was one of the first five episodes that we recorded and he is the man. He, is, he has made such an impact on so many people in, in Northeast Ohio and beyond. So lots of good resources there. Um, that you, can, that you can pull from and then look out for some future retreats we are doing um social distanced safe retreats um we've done them at, at punderson and some other events where we can space out and do them and have that in-person fellowship in a safe way uh, we just did one uh, two weeks ago and it was a very powerful event so if you uh, have the ability to join us for one of our retreats i'd highly recommend uh checking those out uh, as they come up and uh, we also have a private facebook page uh, for the members to kind of talk about things share things get to know one another um, you know to have some conversation in between these retreats so you're not out there alone uh, let's connect let's stay sharp 
and um, let's help each other improve. And um, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So thank you for uh, everything you do and for listening. And until then, stay sharp, everyone.